Welcome to a brand new episode of the Football Ramble. Bayern are through to the final where they have got 11 Golski. Hey guys. It's Thursday the 20th of August. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Vidushina Hunter-Raja. Levengolski. You know what? People have wrestled with doing this intro because they want to, you know, put a bit in and some people's names. You know, we're not pointing any fingers here. <laughs> Need a bit more time, and you were massively shown off there with your pause for effect. Mm. I thought that was that was very well played. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, it was actually a nervous time. It was a very short, very nervous time. Few as it was for the people in that press conference. Yeah. Thomas Muller. Yeah. So I actually missed this at the time. But so for anyone that didn't see it, it's Thomas Muller um, saying they were confident because we've got Levengolski and then no one laughs. And then he sort of like does a little kind of almost like windmill with his hands to go, come on, you're going to get the joke. Levengolski. It's like, oh, why are you trying your new material on telly? It's actually, Thomas Muller, do this, do this like above a pub or something. It's actually quite impressive because I don't know. I'm sure you'll have seen this from hanging around footballers as you do, Vish. Um, it's quite hard to be a footballer and to say stuff and and no one laugh. You know, that, there's yeah. always some sycophant who's like, <laughs> but literally nothing. Yeah, that's such a good point. I remember the first um, press conference Mourinho did as Spurs manager in the Champions League, and he got a round of applause when he walked in. Oh, oh dear, uh, which was incredible. But yeah, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. People laugh for like random shit Harry Redknapp says and, and actually you know I think we should be encouraging puns yeah and we should encouraging be encouraging people like Thomas Muller who is a, is a bit odd and I think he you know he expresses himself on the football pitch he might not do that as much in the classroom you know we were, we're all about encouraging people's creativity yeah and he'll never make a joke again well I Gary Lineker loves a pun doesn't he and I think actually you're, you're completely right this is to be encouraged we should there should be like a sort of like a Tim Vine, Milton Jones like <laughs> type of footballer yeah. that it's just you know you wheel them out for the press conferences or for the post matches and they just do it all in puns, just banging one liners. Yeah, yeah, we should. Yeah, we should. We should get a designated wisecracker in every team. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's going to be him, is it? Um, we're going to talk now properly and seriously about the Champions League semi final. Okay, guys, just in case anyone, right. anyone was worried that it was going to be a pun just fest. This, yeah. But I have been quite disappointed about how everyone, because Serge Nabry got two, and everyone went down the surge route. Not not Nabs, not Nabbed, he Nabbed two. Surge Ooh, Nabs. Very good. Yeah, Serge, yeah you're Serge, right. Surge Nabs Brace, but br- Brace. <laughs> Yeah, I'm on something here. Yeah. Maybe if I keep saying it, maybe if I stew in my own mess. If only you'd stolen oh, some brie at the end of the game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I actually now feel like the audience at that Thomas Miller press conference. Yeah. Um, but, yes, it is Bayern Munich through to that Champions League final. Who to could face. have seen it? PSG. I think everyone could have seen it yeah, actually, Jim. I think that might be the point it. you're making. Yeah, even Mystic Meg. At the site at the start of the Champions League. I think they gave us some clues, didn't they? Mm-hmm. The eight the eight two against Barcelona. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because I feel like um obviously in the game you you generally you want the underdog to win. Um hmm. uh, so it's a shame for Leon that they that they didn't have enough. Um but at the same time, um I almost feel like I really, really don't want PSG to win the Champions League. And I feel like Bayern are a much more difficult prospect for them. You know, they they have got effectively the sort of 
relentless ultimate bastard machine standing in the way of them in Bayern. Whereas with Leon, it would be a lot, a, a, you know, probably, I'm not going to say an easier task, but a more manageable task. So, yeah, I, it's, it's, a, it's a shame. I, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm, I'm, I'm sad for Leon, but sort of like, all right, at least the final will probably be a bit more interesting now. I you think this is going to be a great final, potentially. It, it is. Leaving but, that aside. Hmm. But like Jim, your point is like, it's, you know, Godzilla versus Mothra, isn't it? Mm. It's like to destroy this incredible beast, we need to, you know, awaken this dark enemy. Because <laughs> yeah. so yeah, exactly. they're the only one capable yeah. of destroying them. Yeah, yeah I, t- I, I totally understand that, yeah. We were debating outside before we started recording about whether this was a, what did we go for, a pumping, didn't we? <laughs> mm. I was going to say shellacking, but Mason went pumping in the um, yeah, I, green room. I didn't. I didn't go pump. I didn't. I don't. Yeah. You said well, you, you said that the result was a pumping, and I'm inclined to agree. Not least because while three 0 doesn't stand out as you know, uh, uh, you know, being destroyed, and while Leon did have chances to take the lead and um, also two 0 uh, down as well to get back in the game, I think that makes it more of a pumping yeah. because you have that sense of hope that all teams get against big sides. And as soon as they go, I think everyone knew as soon as Memphis Depay missed that chance that Bayern were not only going to win, mm. but they were going to win quickly yeah. as well. Because I think when you see these games, Barcelona used to have it and they don't anymore, which we'll come on to obviously, I'm sure, at some point. Um, but you, there's, there's kind of a frantic sense to every chance that the, the opposition has against them. They slice at things. They rush things. They they try and do things too quickly because they know that chances are at a premium. And actually, even if they get three or four of them in a game, they still react like that, which is kind of what happened with Leon, where, yeah, yeah. You, you know, they've missed a chance in their own heads like yeah. before they've missed it on the pitch. Yeah, that's, that's spot on. I remember, you know, you, you, you being an Arsenal fan remember this, but there seemed to be a period where... Arsenal would always be playing Bayern Munich, and they would, and they, and they would, they would snatch at everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I suppose if you end up with knowing that you're going into the game getting five chances, if you miss, if you miss in your head what you think is the second one, then mm. you think, right, you know, we're actually going quite well here. We're creating space. We're creating opportunities or angles to um, to go into. So you know, we're fine. But Depay is probably running into that, thinking, but yeah, there's nowhere, no one near me. Yeah. Shit! What if this is it? What if this is the only chance we get? And I'm, yeah, yeah he's he's bottled it. Um, On the other side as well, Lewandowski. Obviously, uh, he missed a few semi sitters, right? But it just always felt like it yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. not just because he was playing in in Bayern's side, and yeah, Leon were panicking. I don't know if you saw the. Oh, I think it was BT put out that that gif of Memphis saying something like, "Oh, you know, he's c- totally calm, isn't yeah, he?" And it yeah. was literally almost exactly to the moment where he, he missed that chance. Missed that chance. Mm. And it's like, "Oh god, that's one of those beautiful setups done by the social media team. Yeah. That has just been deployed incorrectly." Now, you said yesterday, didn't you, that you're a huge Memphis fan? I am. Yeah, yeah. He's um I, I, he was, you know, quite disappointing at um, Manchester United, and there's a the story that's been doing the rounds recently about how Rooney took him to one side and said he needed to be less flashed, you know, just so he could, um, yeah, just almost to kind of earn that opportunity to, to be a big player rather than assuming he was already a big player because he was at a big club. Um, and I think he, he got dropped to a reserve team game and he rocked up in a cowboy hat 
and a, a leather jacket, yeah, a leather jacket and a really flash car, and um, and I and I think that is that's kind of slightly overblown because I mean, what car do you turn up in when you're going to a reserve game? Yeah. What do you just do you rent out a Ford? It's Fiesta? a lot exactly, more wanky yeah. to go and get hold of an entirely independent car that yeah. you don't already own to yeah. go to a reserve game. I'd rock and up I, in like a clown car yeah. to, to like to <laughs> seem not you. I don't know. A penny farthing. Little yeah. Fiesta. <laughs> borrow vicious Honda Jazz, you know. Yeah, well, leave, that, leave the Honda Jazz alone. Right? That would be that's probably a, the perfect car, res- though, to show res- that you're a, humble. A respectful car for for all situations. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, th- I think we're probably going to talk about this with um, Serge Nabry later on. But yeah. sometimes things don't work out for players and it just so happens to be the situation and the time and they go off somewhere else and they end up thriving. And that's... Exactly what happened to Memphis. Mm. Granted, you know, he had a bit of a tough game yesterday and he was, he was taken off early in the second half. But that is part... Of, I mean, I don't think that was a symptom of his um, no, 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 play. No, it was just he's, no, you know, he's had that yeah. big injury and, yeah, and he's coming back from yeah. it. So he's off in the 56th minute. And also for Musa Dembele, who scored those crucial goals, to mm. come on. Yeah, yeah. But more, I think, just, you know, like as he walks off, obviously he's going to be disappointed. Obviously he missed a great chance, but... All in all, he's had a brilliant time at Leon, and that's no absolutely no reflection of what happened at Manchester United. No, absolutely not. Nobody's a good example as well. You would think, you know, it, it seems weird that Wilf Zaha was over at Man United, wasn't it? It didn't. Mm. It didn't work out. That doesn't mean that if he gets a move elsewhere, he won't be a success. I want to briefly come back to the concept of the pumping because I don't think we <laughs> fully, uh, fully explored it in the way that we should. So I feel like three nil. <laughs> Is the is the minimum for a pumping? If it's three one, it's not a pumping. So you think it's scoreline? Because I would argue that it's not fully scoreline dependent. You don't think? I I feel so. How the novice I, pump identifier would say? Ah, oh, I'm looking at a scoreline of three yeah. nil. I identify that as a pumper, well, pumping, but. But the seasoned pump identifier. Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel the pump refers to how many goals a team has pumped out of the other team's defence. So it's almost like an oil. Pipeline pump. I don't right. understand how oil works, right. but um, other than it ruins football. Hey. Right. Um, <laughs> so I, I feel that th- three three is a decent pump. Um, two is not enough to count as a pump. Like four, five nil is a pumping all day. A shellacking, I think, it's got to be. Would you? Well, for a sh- I think a shellacking needs well, to be. What was the eight? What was the eight two plus. then? What was the eight two? The, the eight two was um, a decimation. Yeah, mm. yeah. Even with the two pillaging. The t- the two was like. Yeah, ricochet made it worse a bit in a yeah. sense because yeah. actually that's what we that's what I'd say about a pumping is that you know sometimes the fact that the other side got some goals or a goal it makes it almost a bit more uncomfortable it's quite patronising mm. that isn't yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. well you got oh, two didn't you we let you have a couple yeah well done your two and then we brought on eight. one of your own players to replace those goals <laughs> good lord <laughs> It's crucial. <laughs> nice to know Tottenham are better than Barcelona. That's all I'm taking from that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, let's talk about Serge Gnabry. I, and I think it's a really interesting point you make as well. Just generally this narrative. There's a big narrative in football about, and it's understandable. You follow the careers of fl- some players and you say, oh, look, uh, Arsenal, there we go. Mm. Bunch of knobs. Yeah, it was actually the the timing. There's another good example of timing there because um, I was not making I was not making that argument. By the way, I wasn't no, calling Arsenal just, a bunch of knobs. No, I mean you, were just you, you literally did. No, but I was, words I was while grinning and looking <laughs> me in the eye. I was I was quoting yes. a theoretical person. The, 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 Yourself the, from the past, perhaps. The, the point I was going to make is that you know we had all this stuff with Chupo Moting as well, yeah. Moting as well with um, Stoke. It's not. 
it doesn't actually, I mean, it creates a narrative that we can talk about mm. and it's all fun about West Brom, but... Yeah, the, the, the Tony Pulis tweets are out every time, aren't they? Every time Nabry does something good, which is constant. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as I remember it, uh, my memory is very unreliable. Um, um, Gnabry had just started to... to m- play in first team and come on and I think he scored a winner I forget who against but he was Arsenal were on the up it was one of those points in the season where it's like are they actually going to do something not fall away no no, they're going to fall away but he um, he'd started to look like he was going to actually make a regular impact then he got an injury Mm. a really bad time I think it was quite a bad one as well so he was out for a while was getting back up to fitness had the famous loan to West Brom didn't quite work out and at that point his contract was running down you know there were other players ahead of him in the team and it just seemed I think Arsenal wanted to keep him but he, he just wanted to play so it was just it wasn't quite as straightforward as like ah we don't need him let's sell him for like very little money but you know it's a timing thing isn't it it's, it's, it's just it's just how it goes like you know there's was there talk of um Lewandowski being offered offered around to Blackburn to Blackburn yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. right Black, Blackburn seem to be at the centre of a lot of these like the <laughs> we don't need to down we got sh- Tim Sherwood sort of situations but it's just just how it goes isn't it yeah. like Roberto Carlos nearly went to Villa would that have you know, would he have been the same player if he had? Would he have had the same career trajectory? Almost would he, certainly would he have not. Been better just... is the question we need to ask. <laughs> that's, that's a great question. This the um, the Nabry things is really is really interesting because I think if you look at how his youth career panned out, he moved around quite a lot. I think mm. his dad was obviously you know naturally a big influence on 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 his ambition really. So he ended up kind of like. Probably hard to say he was hawking him around, but I think he always felt his son was going to make it, so he was kind of pushing him to join different clubs. Yeah. I think he had something like ten different youth clubs before he eventually came mm. to Arsenal from Stuttgart. I think it was. Yeah. Um, and then when he was at Arsenal, obviously things weren't working out. And Wenger, interestingly, at the end of 2019, was talking about Nabry and the situation around why he left. And I don't know if he if he was just being a bit cheeky here, but. Wenger suggested basically that Bayern had something to do with it. Right. That Bayern had got into a situation with um, Werder Bremen and basically said, look, if you kind of, if you take him off them, we're quite interested to buy him off you. And then, mm. you know, and, and go like that. So if you look at how Bayern actually signed him, he was only at Werder Bremen for one season. They signed him for 8 million euros or something like that. Astonishing. Seven, yeah, yeah yes. 5 million pounds. Um, and then he went to Hoffenheim to continue his development as a youth player, and then they recalled him early, I think, for mm. the start of one season, maybe because of injury, but also because, well, you know, they figured he was oven ready now. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he's he clearly an incredibly ambitious player. And, and you know, while we also talk about the situation not being right for him, sometimes that is a massive kick up the ass for a young player yeah. who mm. feels he's owed something. And you can go one of two ways, can't you? You can be bitter about it and, and resent that situation, or you can think, right, what do I need to do? How do I need to improve? What facets of my game do I need to take to a different level? And he has taken all of them to a different level. Mm. The the great thing about that first goal, I thought, Ugh. was not just what he did, but when your right winger who's right footed gets the ball in that situation and you're a striker who scored 50 plus goals that season, you think your first instinct would be to go into, go into the box for the yeah. cross, yeah? And Lewandowski thought... No, he looks like he's on one and he's going to cut inside and do something. Mm. And so I will be the distraction. Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes for the high regard that Nabry's held in and also just where he is as a player now. He's generally a world-class player. And I know people might hear me saying that and think I'm late to the party, but we all come to that realisation over different players mm. at different times. And yesterday it was just, yeah, phenomenal. I think we might actually see more of this um, because 
it is quite normal for for young players. There's, a, there's almost a circuit for young players now, isn't there? I read a bit in the uh, a piece in the Athletic recently about Phil Foden. How about before he was with City? For basically when he was too young to sign uh, contracts, a lot of the really really good players they'll train with City one night, Liverpool another night, yeah. and they'll, they'll go all over the local areas and sometimes even go abroad. Um, and that that is just part of the of the kind of pathway now. So I think we are we're, we're even seeing it with a point where you know. We for years we lamented the fact that English players didn't go didn't go abroad and younger English players seem to just think nothing of that now and that that's really really good and I think that is we're, we're going to see more of these stories. Yeah, just, just while we're we're talking about it, I, I think it is something that has a little bit of a there's quite a dark tinge to that. Um, mm. I I know a couple of agents really well and when they you know regardless of what you think of agents when they tell tell me some stories about like how parents are like one guy I know who's got a very talented player up in the north and he was talking about all the basic issues that he has to overcome with parents kind of wanting to rip a player out of an academy and throw him into another one and kind of walking about and then mm. other agents coming and circling over players over players who are only you know like 13 14 years old some even younger than that so it it can be you know th- this is a good story but hopefully it's not a story that would encourage more people to move about and more people to think, right, we can just play around with these kids' lives Mm. on a whim. Okay, so Serge Gnabry, one of only four players to have been directly involved in 10-plus goals in the Champions League this season, along with Lewandowski, Erling Haaland, and Kylian Mbappe, who he will shortly be meeting. Guys, I know you've been all on these single-header, one-leg affairs in the Champions League. Do we do we feel like that still after those two sets of Champions League semi-finals? Well, the thing is, when we consider Lewandowski's record as well, um, he is two away from equaling Ronaldo's record. Yes. Yeah. If he does do that, it would have been from two fewer, fewer games. games. Yeah, yeah, amazing. He's so, fifteen goals in nine games. Yeah, in but the then, Champions League. But then, if you if it's two legs, do Bayern pay Bayern pay more respect to Barcelona? Don't they? They don't mm, slap exactly. them at two. How much? How much? How much it would have been different from what we've seen so far? Atletico would have been justified playing the way they did against RB yeah. Leipzig, probably. Y- yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I quite like it in the sense that for for the situation we have, I think it's perfect in the entertainment we've for got. For sure, yeah, incredible. not in perfect no, no, circumstances no, no, of course, necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do PSG get this far if if it's over two legs when they've got enough time to kind of get into their own heads? Well, well yeah, you, you do wonder about that because they've they've very much lost it in the second leg many many times, haven't they? Especially that incredible night at the New Camp. Um, but yeah, I you know I wouldn't want to see it be a permanent change. Mm. Um, I, I just think it's a it's a better uh, test of two very very different teams very often over two legs. I mean that 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 game's such a good example. The um, the 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 Barcelona turnaround against Paris Saint-Germain mm. and um, Liverpool's turnaround against Barcelona and remember Deportivo La Coruña yeah, right. let's not forget one Milan a long, long time ago in a similar way and let's not forget another major one recently no I can't was there anything last year no mm. <laughs> Liverpool walked nothing it, of uh, value <laughs> yeah yeah on Cause reflection because you, you'd think if there was a team that did something like that anything like that not only would they have had a good season 2019-20 but they'd probably have kept their manager as well wouldn't yeah, they yeah or maybe they'd have had something to show for it yeah yeah, yeah I've shot myself yeah. in the foot here anyway it was a glorious <laughs> glorious night because it was a glorious glorious because if they didn't you'd probably make a documentary about that wouldn't so, you so yeah it is PSG <laughs> against Bayern Munich on Sunday night in the Estadio de Luz Luz, you, Luz and I've been on about this a lot but if 
Paris Saint-Germain win the Champions League, I'm going to be like the person who started the position to like get the last season of Game of Thrones remade. Like, <laughs> like, I'm just going to try and not accept it somehow. Null and void. Null yeah. and void. <laughs> just going to hear a hearty evil laugh from the sky. It's <laughs> 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 like the ground rises up. And yeah. I don't know, guys. Can we not get excited about... Well, we know we're into smiles on the football ramble. The Kylian Mbappe. Yeah. Glee. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. If, the it, sight of some... Beautiful forward play from players in their prime. On the pitch, including eminently likable Neymar. Yeah. <laughs> I actually do like Neymar Whoa. just because he's so good. I can't so, help myself. So do he's I. He's just so yeah. good. So do I. Yeah. All right. we, we've created this environment where a player can literally be just, not literally, but he can be Justin Bieber. Yeah. And he's just thought, well, I'm going to do that. Yeah. yeah, completely. I'm going to be a nutter. Yeah. That's so, cute. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been very, very cynical about PSG, as, as a lot of people have, but it. You know, they have clearly been the two best teams since the and restart, that's what haven't we they? Want, by isn't some it? distance. That's what we yeah, want to see in the final. Yeah, yeah. No, no you're, you're absolutely spot on. I, I think if um, it is going to be pretty incredible, uh, the, the kind of old versus new money in its own way is going to be so. fascinating. And mm. there is a almost a duty for Bayern Munich to, they, they will feel a duty that they are doing right, despite the fact they're the second most hated team in Germany. Yeah. And PSG at the same time are going to be like, well, you know, we're. We're part of the new guard, you know. You got to let let us in. You've got mm. to show a bit more willing. Football needs to be more open because that's kind of the angle they're probably going to push. And the romance of it is that, as Johnny Blaine said on Twitter, not since 1998 have there been two reigning champions of of leagues in the Champions League final. Oh wow! Because I think that, I think the year after was um, Manchester United against Bayern Munich, and they both finished second the season before. Mm. Yeah, quite right. So, yeah, the romance is absolutely not dead. Speaking of romance, we're going to head to England, where the England women's team have a brand new head coach. Serena Wegman is the first foreign coach of the England women's team. So we're moving into a new era, and she gave her first press conference uh, yesterday after she was announced on Friday. She is going to replace one Philip Neville in September 2021. Now... Vigman is, uh, she's a bit of a titan, really, in the women's game. Um, her work with the Netherlands, that's the team that she's still with at the moment until then. And she's going to uh, be looking after them at the Olympics, assuming they do, fingers crossed, go mm. ahead in any like proper form. Um, her Probably her biggest achievement is, definitely her biggest achievement is uh, taking them to win the Euros. They really killed England. I remember watching... I think I was in some sad little corner on my laptop in Qatar watching the England semi-final against the Netherlands and just, that was a pumping. That was 3-0. It was an absolute <laughs> pumping. Not because of the scoreline. They were just absolutely destroyed in that game. Although, to be fair, she did have two players who were on the score sheet that day, Vivami Demar and Daniel van der Donk. Absolutely, like, incredible, incredible players. So, yeah. um, I think it's really, I think this is really exciting. Yeah, it is. It is. I think it's important as well that we've gone back to a coach who has coached exhaustively in, in women's football as well. I think the Phil Neville, I mean, you, you know, there are more qualified writers out there who have picked many holes in it and have been on it from the start in terms of like how it was, yeah, a disgraceful appointment, really. And I think with uh, with Vagman as well, you're going to get a situation where she will be more tuned to the way women's football is played because while there are similarities that one of the main differences one of the main differences that England have been quite late to cut on to is the fact that play builds to a crescendo a lot more in women's football than it does in men's um, and one of the criticisms of um, English women's football from 
well, so this is a bit longer, so like 10 years ago, was that it was a bit too long ball. And it was one of the issues that Hope Powell kind of had that she tried to overcome, but didn't, largely because the players that she trusted, you know, weren't of that disposition. And I think one of the, one of the great examples is someone like Jill Scott, who went from someone who would come on and be, be a player to target, even though she was a midfielder, who now has emerged as a real ball-playing centre midfielder. Um, so, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see how the progression goes, because I think now uh, English players are a lot more technically astute as well. So we're, we're in a situation now, very not too dissimilar to, to the men's, where we can start playing some quite ambitious football. And, yeah, it's a very exciting appointment. Mm. And Neville's basically still in charge until next year, isn't 2021 so September, a, yeah. Sort of, it's, it's good that there's a succession plan in yeah, place Yeah, it is, because well. people were starting to get a bit troubled that he might... in. Okay, this is a bit unkind, maybe, but that he might indefinitely yeah. be in charge of of England. So it is nice to have that kind of bookended now. I think. Although the question is, of course, who's going to be in charge at at, at the Olympics of Team mm. GB? Because Jill Ellis, the former US uh, head coach, was linked with this job, and she could have taken them on for that. But perhaps that's part of the reason. Oh God, I really hope it's not been organised around Phil Neville's ego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are very few things you can't apply that sentence to. <laughs> <laughs> oh Maybe he'll treat you like, you know, when his wife was giving birth and he wasn't there. Oh my God. <laughs> Maybe Phil like, oh, has never like, made ah. me a cup of tea. Did you read that article? Extraordinary article no, about. But please tell me. <laughs> about how his wife, I think she was launching a cookbook or something, and she said, um, yeah, I handle, you know, the sort of, she didn't say it in exactly these terms, but like, you know, the woman, the home womanly mm, things. Sure. And Phil, you know, he does his work. And, and you know, actually, I, I think in whatever it is, 25 years of marriage, he's never actually made me a cup of tea. He might be really bad at it. That's one of the reasons. No, no. I, she, oh, but well, can she, you be that she bad says at he it? doesn't know how, but he's just not, ha- he's got a lot on. When I, the last time I worked in an office, I um, was when I stopped drinking tea because people would offer to do the tea round and the tea was <laughs> rubbish. And yeah. I, like, I can't take this anymore. I'm just yeah. going to stop drinking I'm going to drink nine coffees a day. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's such a dreadful... Yeah, I'm sure we'll um, talk a little bit more about Phil Neville's legacy, if you like, as, as it all winds down. But, you know, Wegman has said that England are closing the gap to the USA, this kind of impenetrable force. And that's the aim, yeah. really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Is that... Have they made progress over this period... The jury is out. Well, the World Cup semi-final between England and the US was a lot closer than the scoreline suggested. You know, Ellen White had a goal ruled out for offside that would have drawn us level at 2-2. Then Steph Houghton misses a penalty as well. And Classic English dilemma. I know, but, but, but <sighs> you know, England, England went toe-for-toe toe with the US and, and nearly got something out of that game. And, you know, yeah, I think that everything is, still, everything is there where we can catch up. The only thing is that US football, the investment, obviously up until the pandemic, has been so great and it will continue to be great. And their system is so incredible. That you get the impression that we need a little bit more structural training in the UK before we're able to really catch them properly. Mm. But in terms of laying a glove on them in a in a major tournament, I don't think we're that far off. I like that imagery. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's a good point, and and it will be very interesting to see. And what is also interesting is just to note a couple of the the signings that Manchester City, who are a big titan in 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 women's football, and have actually backed their team a, like a lot in a really serious way in terms of uh, providing really good facilities for their side and you know they even do stuff like on their general Twitter feed they release the men's and the women's transfers in the same se- mm. setting which is I don't know personally for me I really like it um, but anyway they've just signed uh, US Women's National Team World Cup winning midfielder Rose Lavelle who's an incredible player she joins an, another World Cup winner who's also just signed Sam Mewis she said, you know, the reason I want to 
previously these players would have played in the NWSL because that has been the top of the game really for the women. But she said, you know, it's all up in the air in mm. the States at the moment. And that's why she's going to come over here. So that might lead into your point. Yeah, I mean, could this be a sort of catalyst for England to become a sort of global centre or it's certainly at least a European centre of, of women's football? Um, and obviously, you know, it... You know, we, it's maybe hypocritical to sort of praise City for doing in the women's game what we've criticised them for doing in the men's <laughs> game. Um, but perhaps it is a little bit different in terms of just ensuring that that competition is there and, and you know, just just making the, the UK a, a bit of a hub for that. And I think we'd all like to see that personally, yeah. despite, you know, the kind of cost that comes at. Yeah, because it's quite an interesting, um, the machinations behind her move, because she was at Washington Spirit and moved to O.L. Ray into her own by uh, Leon, um, who took her basically playing right. So when she returns to the NWSL, she'll play for O.L. Ray. And then she moved to Manchester City what, in the space of a week. Yeah. Um, and it's quite interesting because it, so far all the players we've had over here from the U.S. have been on essentially sabbaticals. And it's very similar. I, you know, I'm, I'm not a massive rugby fan, so I'll probably get this a little bit wrong. <laughs> but, um, for example, if you're playing in, if you're an all-black you need to play in their kind of domestic setup right. to qualify. So basically, to be eligible to play for a World Cup. But the first year of that four-year cycle, they kind of encourage them to go to France, often where there isn't a salary cap, where they can go and play a different kind of rugby, earn a bit of extra money, and then come back in time to qualify. Mm. And now, obviously, um, uh, Rose Lavelle said in her interviews yesterday that she, the reason she stayed last year was because of the Olympics, and she's kind of gearing up for that. And then she was basically giving the blessing to actually, you know what, you might as well go now ahead of the Olympics next year. So, um, yeah, as you said, like if um, England can become a European hub, we'll only benefit from it. You get better by playing better opposition and, yeah, could see um, there'll obviously be an argument of them taking places of, of local players, but mm. I think it's ultimately if we improve the standard of the league, everyone's going to benefit. They need more Joe Hearts in their side. That's what they need. All right, let's get to a break, guys. Coming up, we're going to be going to the topics, of course, and we're going to sound the transfer klaxon. All right, guys, welcome back to the Football Ramble. It's me, obviously, Jim and Vish today. And it's also this man. It's time for the topics. We concentrate on the topics. We're pretty good to many topics today. No dancing this time, guys. I hope you're feeling good about that. I noticed you, that. you had to hold yourself back, though, didn't you? <laughs> I had a little dance. It was, oh, it was so it. tiny, I don't think either of you saw it. Was it the hand jive? Uh, yeah, it was, a li- it was a bit more... I just moved my shoulders a bit. And it was. At, I was just so happy to hear Daniel Farker's absurd voice. Yes! Um, that, yeah, I just did a little jig. Don't tiny call jig. it absurd. That's not very kind. He's oh, speaking no, so well of you. not a very kind man. Absurd isn't necessarily bad. Yeah. There's beauty in absurdity. <laughs> exactly. Goodness. Um, right. My, Mark Bajarski, thank you for emailing in. He's got a great one. He's got a great topic. The question is about what changes would you make to food at football stadiums? I'm not surprised. Thank you so much for emailing in, guys, and tweeting and all this stuff. There are plenty of things we could do, aren't there? There are a lot of things. Here is his most beautiful suggestion. My idea to improve stadium food would be to introduce hot dog cannons that would fire individually wrapped hot dogs. I love the little individually wrapped. I mean, Mm. let's be clear about this. We don't want a a naked hot dog flying at you. To random fans throughout the games, not just at halftime. This is the crux of it. That way it keeps people on their toes and provides some entertainment if the football is especially poor that day. I like that. 
guys, that's, I think, you know, let's get the patent on that more. Yeah, I think, see, one of the things I, I think that we could transport from American sport is the hot dog guy. The guy just going up and down the stands, mm. going, hot dogs, get your hot dogs. But I think this is a natural evolution from that that's probably even better. I just love the idea that you're like really focused on some intricate bit of passing and in midfield. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. It'll be, it'll be happening during the game, not just at half time. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, it might be a bit annoying to just have a sausage thrust into your face. But <laughs> I, I, I would say meat eaters would also object to that. True, yeah. true. <laughs> Have you got another dog? <laughs> I do. I, I have one here from Simeon Greedy, which is just just well done to your parents. Um, fantastic name. Good work. Um, inspired by another listener on this week's Ramble Topics, whose idea was the conceding team buys food for the other team supporters rather than taking a penalty. My idea is as follows. When a player gets a red card, his team has the option to keep that player on the pitch, but only once he has eaten six hot dogs as fast as possible. It's absolutely Why beautiful. six? Who knows? <laughs> Will that player be as effective running around after six quick hot, do- hot dogs? Probably not. Chaos ensues. I, I, yeah, I mean, competitive eating, I'm oh, not going to say it's a sport, but it's certainly they a competition. It is. Do they, they really? They say it's a sport. Yeah. So um, just near to Sky, there's a famous, um, I don't know, food vendor called Man vs. Food, mm. where Probably they... Yes, exactly. Where people, a lot of competitive eating, it seems to occur there because they have some especially large food option that people eat very quickly and um it's it's extraordinary and and the 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 I think one of the key players at the moment is a very small petite girl uh, there was a channel 4 documentary about this wow. and she definitely considers it a, a sport, sport. that doesn't mean it is though does it i know but she's the one who's top of the top of it well so. what, i mean what's she going to do eat you yeah <laughs> well maybe she can is she is she, is she like a pelican or something and they've got this massive like Beaks, beaks, beak with like it's a gullet a in it. I don't know. Yeah, it's like a beak with a nosewallet. beak in the mouth, isn't it? Yeah, like a jowl. Quite scary. Oh yeah, it just lives down there. Doesn't yeah. it? Food and and, and it's got <laughs> that stuff that lives. No, it has. Well, it does for a bit. Fish, you joke, but um, it's got like those juices that kind of start breaking up the food in the beak. So you know, like the stuff that oh, we have really? in our gut. I'm pretty oh, sure okay, this is well, true, okay. but obviously, write in show at footballramble dot com if you are working in the field of zoology and have got anything. Pelicanography. Pelicanography. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it basically, I think it would live a little while and then it would start to be broken well, down. broken down in saliva, that's fair enough. Yeah. 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 Happens with humans as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, good point. Um, so I've got one here from Sido on Twitter. I don't care what the food is, strong start. <laughs> I just think it should all come out of the cool boxes that managers like Tuchel, Bielsa and Maradona sit on. Now, you would we would have seen it with Thomas Tuchel with... Um, you know, he's broken his foot, so he's sat on that, for anyone who doesn't know. Um, Bielsa sits on a bucket, though, so that's... Mm. You're not sure about that. Uh, don't like squash pies? Tough. You should be honoured to eat something that has been in such close proximity to Marcelo Bielsa's powerful glutes. <laughs> yeah. Are they still, would we say? Are they still powerful glutes? Well, he's got to squat a lot, hasn't he? Yeah. Because uh, he sits a lot on the bucket. Exercise for them. I thought that was more about his poise and kind of posture. I thought he had a, spe- a special way of doing it, you know, like a shaman. Maybe he doesn't. I mean, he probably, if he doesn't exercise those glutes, he's going to seize up a lot from sitting like that, isn't he? So he's probably he's probably got that in. He's a thorough man, isn't he, Bielsa? So he will, he will be exercising those yeah. glutes. I think we can. He's never going to miss leg stretching. day. He's nice. never going to miss leg day. Every day's leg day. He's absolutely not. I don't think the pies would necessarily be squashed. Well, no, because, yeah, the cool box is, is solid. Otherwise, mm. they wouldn't be sitting on it. 
Yeah. Or maybe if it was just in the back pocket of... <laughs> yeah. You're going to warmed by the glute. Yeah. <laughs> to get a stadium's worth of pies in there as well, you're going to have to Difficult. overstuff it. So yeah, maybe the lid won't shut properly. I don't know. MC Hammer pants. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if I were to sort of have my two cents on this, I feel like for most of the game, ball boys do nothing. So what's to stop them also running a little barbecue? Oh, yes. Just around the pitches. Oh, that's a and lovely And the people yeah. shuttling the food up and down. Then you get the hot dog, get your hot dogs guy as and well, which I want. Because that's, feel... that's the best thing about having kids, isn't it? When p- people train them to like get stuff for you. Yes. Yeah. That is the, most of the reason, that's in fact why humans evolved to have kids, <laughs> is to get someone else <laughs> to go and get stuff for you. And so the whole stadium, would, all of the stadiums would smell of quite strongly of meat. And I guess yeah. like halloumi for the vegetarian. I don't know what a vegan squash. squash um, a... Plant-based, you know, burgers. You know, there'll be different options. But how, how would that work in a stadium full of men when they're supposed to be watching the football and they're just paying attention to, oh, you shouldn't turn steak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do yeah. that, mate. No. Good point. I mean, it's, you know, it's to be figured out, isn't it? Well, maybe that could be a reward. Maybe that could be your reward for catching one of the hot dogs flying through the air through the hot dog cannon. You get to do next week's... So we're Barbie. combining all of these now. You yeah. get to do... How many would you have? One on the halfway line for the barbecues. One there, no, you'd either have to, side. You'd have to, each each side, section of, yeah. the, of the stand would need probably three, I suppose, because so you've got one you have the different barbecues well. for different things. Yeah, maybe. Bloody hell. They'd, I think they'd be, they'd be in like... Barbecue pits almost. They're not going to, if the ball hits them, they're not going to fall over. They're going to be sturdy structures. Maybe the moat from the other day would come and help yes, here. The moat was. around the pitch, somehow on a float. Although what happens if like, you know, players chasing down the ball on the byline and then you know, often they fall into the side, the advertising boards, but they just wake, they wake up, they get up and they've just got char on their <laughs> forehead. Yeah, well, details. it happens with a chalk on the touchline sometimes and it we're does, all okay. Yeah. So I think, I think we'd be able to live with it. Oh, he's, he's one of those wingers that gets charcoal on his boots. <laughs> so much food for thought i absolutely have loved this round of topics thank you so much for uh, all your suggestions i think basically a combination of many of mm. the above would be the absolute dream we're going to have a brand new question for the topics tomorrow so do listen in and get your creative juices flowing that sounds unpleasant um new probably fixtures are have come out this morning at nine o'clock it's edge of the seat stuff mm. there are loads of them Let's move on. Yeah, that's my. It's always my approach to the fixtures. I just don't care. All right, Jim. Right, well, I'm, I'm, I'm upset by them. Oh, love. Yeah, I'm not upset by them really. You, I just, it's just one, it's one of those non-story form. things, isn't it? All right. Well, you know, you've slightly shot my little section. Well, here you can the still foot, do you? it. I'm just putting I, out my feelings on it. My notes say all teams play each other twice. Well, home there you and go. Away. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no. that's, a, that's a crux of it, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that, that is it. That, that is yeah. the same. You know what? I, if there were, if that wasn't the case, then I'd be interested. Yes. Like, what the hell? Yeah. What's yeah, going on? Oh, if one random team had didn't have the chance to play everyone twice. Yeah, or there was like a. Well, a, like maybe that's the maybe live, whoever wins the title not allowed. Get next a game season. off. Yeah, not a walk, not a buy. Like you don't win it, you get no points. Yeah. For it. It just mm. makes it level, a bit harder for you. Level things up. Oh, I'm still in the topic space here right now, aren't I? Yeah. Um, all right, look, fine, fine. But let's talk about transfers. But the only, I, I would say the opening weekend, the, the best one, if you like to know, is, is Liverpool-Leeds, I reckon. And then uh, the first derby is going to be, so that's the 12th of September when is the first weekend of the Premier League. Gosh, ah, it's only been a little while, hasn't it? Mm. Um, and then 17th of October, the first derby, Everton, Liverpool, Manchester United. 
versus Leeds is in early December. Let's get on to some glorious transfer rumours before Jim pops with, <laughs> with excitement, perhaps. Um, all right, then. Now, we have made this week something of a, we say sort of a Barcelona tribute thread. The mm-hmm. old, I mean, you know, Marcus can't, can't be with us today, but he, he is remembered because don't worry, we need to talk about Ronald Koeman's plans. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's me rubbing my hands together. Because how glorious was it to see those suggestions trickle out on, on social media in various places yesterday? He's reportedly given three names to the Barca board for the summer. Donny van der Beek, Memphis Depay. Yeah, so far so reasonable. Michael Keane. It's, it's... Now, now, you may think that's the end of the, the, the intrigue here. But actually... Michael Keane, the reason they need him is because he's going to be a replacement for Gerard Piquet, who is going to go audaciously. Fulham have now put their two cents in. That's where he's off to. Do you ever feel like you're in a dream? All the time. Yeah. I currently feel like I'm in one of Marcus's dreams. (laughs) Like we're just background characters in it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry, I've just kicked over my water. (laughs) It's going everywhere. (laughs) <laughs> Too much excitement. Yeah, yeah. I, I do. Well, and luckily, it's only a dream, so we don't have to clear that. Yeah, up. it's fine. Um, it's it. When I saw those names, it felt a little bit like as an older brother when I used to go out and play with my mates, and I'd be out the door, and my mum would turn to me and say, "Can you take your little brother with you?" Mm. And Aww. I used to think it was really embarrassing. And this is Michael Keane is a little brother of the Donny van der Beek, Memphis Depay uh, situation. I mean, this is probably the point where we say that, you know, he has shown flashes of being a very good, a very capable defender. And we should also probably point out that defending for Barcelona requires a very different skill set to defending for Everton. Mm -hmm. Um, So for his sake, I'm happy for him, I'd say. And I'm happy for a player who clearly struggling when he made that move and there was a lot of big raps on him and you know certainly for England there was a situation where he'd be called up into squads and people would be like why he's playing like a drain yeah um but if if this does come off if he does get this move if if it is true then I mean fair play to him because it's a hell of a place to go and play football yeah and also isn't it it's nice to see that Clearly, Ronald Koeman has an affinity with him and so much faith in him, even after, you know, you know, even now it's been a while since he, you know, he was at, at Everton. Um, and I, I, maybe he sees something in him that it would suit what he's got planned for Barcelona or would suit La Liga. And I, I hope it happens. Like a lot of people are just sort of dismissing it as something just slightly bizarre and unexpected. But I, I'd love to see how that particular story would, would play out. I mean, you know, it'd be huge. Go off to Barcelona and play with Martin Braithwaite. It'd be a, <laughs> yeah, hell of a thing. So Barcelona, if if other reports are to be believed, other than about seven players, the entire squad is up for sale, isn't it? Yeah. Which th- which cannot be absurdly, just... except for the one that really they sh- they should probably think about, which is Messi. You think you think they, it'd be in Barcelona's interest to move him on? Well, he's the only one they could actually sell, probably. So if they're being reasonable about this, you know. It, a lot for, of the other people big, are older. Yeah, they, they're going to struggle to get big fees for most of those players. If they need the money, which it seems they as do. though they do, mm. then that's your cash cow. Cash cow. Imagine, imagine ten years ago thinking, as this you know little bloke was thrilling the world on his way to scoring eight million goals, he'd, he'd be referred to later on as a cash cow. Yeah, 
a cash cow to raise funds for Michael Keane. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? This is definitely one of Marcus's dreams. Well, Marcus has dreamed up Gerald Piquet. I actually think he would fit in quite well. Shakira. I mean, there's some lovely places she could go to down Fulham Way. I think that's quite an elegant, elegant swap for her. They probably anyway. know. They, genuinely, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being facetious. There, they probably know the area really well. And there's, you know, there's, there's probably a lot of London that they love, and it yeah. would be concentrated towards that part of West London, no doubt. I think is it the case that Fulham have just declared their intentions early? Like, surely PK will have a lot of suits. Well, guys, I don't know because, to be honest, the source of this story is not what I traditionally get my transfer. Is it Marcus? It, would, it, would it be the equivalent is it, if Marcus declared his interest in Shakira? It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, well, it's a Peruvian website called Libero. It's not one I traditionally go to. It's not a go-to source for me mm. personally, but I, you know, I'm not like the the oracle of transfers, so perhaps that's well, where, change your tune, yeah. you? That's where you know all the lads get them. This is this is the fun of transfer rumours, though, isn't it? It's just they they just sort of come out of nowhere and largely they are essentially tabloid nonsense. But um, we can all just take a little speculative trip down Speculation Street and enjoy them. Yeah. I uh, feel that we've spoken about Donny Van Der Beek and haven't. Re- I, I feel generally football hasn't spent enough time talking about just what about what wonderful name that is. <laughs> Donny from the family of Beek. That translates as roughly. It's great. More of it, please. He looks and sounds like uh, someone out of Dawson's Creek, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Dawson's yeah. Beak. Yeah, yeah. As it's known. God. Dawson's Van der Beek. I apologise. As it's known in the Netherlands. All right, yeah. some things that have actually happened as we edge our way towards the exits here. Dean Henderson has confirmed he's not going to be extending his loan at Sheffield United for a third season. Winning promotion to the Premier League. This is him. Winning promotion to the Premier League with my brothers and having the season we had this season is something I will never forget. I'm not sure the copywriters had too much of a glance at that. But anyway, Dean Henderson is presumably looking to challenge old David De Gea for the number one shirt. And as a result of that, um, Sheffield United have re-signed Aaron Ramsdale from mm. Bournemouth for £18.5 million. I mean, two decent and exciting goalkeepers. Yeah. David De Gea says he's not worried. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like Henderson should be going in there as number one. Not maybe not in terms well, of squad he's been number, given something but like, like that. what do you think, Vish? Would you, would you, uh, d- how do you feel about De Gea? Because surely you want a bit more of a solid option, and Henderson seems to be providing that potentially. Yeah, we we definitely need more of a solid option, but I, I still am of a mind that David De Gea can still be that solid option. I think there's they've invested quite a lot in him, and there is a lot of. Certainly, goodwill behind closed doors to suggest that they would want him. They want to give him every opportunity to, you know, rediscover the player he once was, and maybe that happens because he has someone like Henderson who becomes a very real threat. Because yeah. I think one of the things that with Sergio Romeo, through getting those, um, you know, through, through getting those cup matches and playing in the Europa League, he elevated himself to being talked of as an excellent number two, and one of the one of the things that seem to allay De Gea's fears is the fact that he was always referred to as the best number two. And so therefore, you know, having someone in who is going to be a legit- legitimate threat to him mm. will, might light a, bit, light a bit more of a fire under him and, and help make him cut out those mistakes. Before we go, it's now time for Betway's Bet Your Way. We have selected a bet for tomorrow's Europa League final using their Bet Your Way feature and we've gone for a cracker. It is Romelu Lukaku to score two or more goals and Inter to lift the trophy. It's at nine to one. Ten pounds on that. 
therefore returns £100, including stake. Listen to tomorrow's preview show for our selection for the Champions League final with Betway. 18 plus gamble responsibly. For more information, head to begambleaware.org. Guys, that is pretty much all we've got time for because we were hoping to do an entire part on Sven Goran Eriksson, who has been uh, linked with the Jamaica job. But unfortunately, the Jamaican FA have denied it. More on that as we get it, I guess. Yeah, 2020, you keep taking from us. Indeed. Strange turn of events. Very strange turn of events. But, you know, you can't keep a good spend down, so we'll see. 43 years and counting his managerial career. Wow. <sighs> what could have been? He always said he wanted to retire to the Caribbean. All right. Tomorrow's show, guys. I'm back. Luke and Andy are in as well. Oh, my good Dion. You've just realised what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Luke's... Yeah game right guys it's coming mm. <laughs> it's do you feel like you're about to play Bayern <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not Leon I am who am I Spurs <laughs> <laughs> well this has been a delight Hasn't Jim <laughs> nice to yeah. see you mate yeah you too catch you next Thanks, week um, take care Vish see you, you soon you too all the very best tomorrow thank you I may not be back even though it says I will take care guys this was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network 